Hi, this is Dave Pryor for the Reluctant Agilist. I'm here at the 2019 North American Scrum Gathering, and I'm sitting with Alex Brown. So Alex, thank you for taking time out of your day today. Hey, Dave, it's a pleasure. Always great to talk. So in all my classes, people want to know where Agile or Scrum can be used outside of technology, and you happen to have an incredible example of that. So what was your session here on? So the, the session here was on uh, Boozy Scrum, uh, building a basement taproom using Agile principles. Uh, it's just sort of the latest in a, a series of experiments on using Scrum uh, to achieve personal goals. Okay, so it's not Scrum for drinking, it's Scrum for building things to help you drink. It's, it's not inspect and adapt to, <laughs> to consume more alcohol, it's uh, how, do you, how do you construct uh, physical objects like a, a bar counter okay. uh, using Agile principles. Alright, so how did it work? Um, well, so maybe it's worth taking a step back to sure. begin with, because uh, I've now been uh, using Scrum for close to a decade at this point, um, and using it in my professional life uh, for all of that time. Which we should take a second to tell people about. I yeah, forgot we, to ask you that. We, we can. Yeah. So I'm a, a, a CST uh, with the Scrum Alliance uh, and run a, um, a management consulting firm at the intersection of. Uh, agile product development and traditional go-to-market strategy. Okay. Uh, so helping companies bridge the gap between uh, iterative and, and um, uh, incremental product development, um, but focusing it really on a, a clear sense of who the customer is you're trying to serve, okay. where to reach them, how to message uh, the product that you're trying so to sell. So big focus on product ownership. Uh, a strong link to product ownership in, okay. the, in the Scrum context. Right. Um, and, and I've been using Scrum in my professional life and, and to run the business for a number of years. Um, but if you do that enough, it starts to feel weird not to use Scrum everywhere in your else. personal life. Yeah. Um, and, and so anytime I really want to get something done, be it professional or personal, uh, I try to find a way to leverage Agile principles to underpin it and, and allow me to get there faster. Okay. So two conferences ago, I was talking about losing weight using Scrum. Uh, which which uh, proved very effective, right? And I always try to have one of these experiments going on in, in the background, uh, and often they make interesting stories to yeah. share with people. Uh, so uh, a year ago, uh, I've been a home brewer for twenty plus years. Okay. Um, and, but I, I historically brewed up in New Hampshire. I live in Boston. Okay. Um, and I wanted to move my brewery operation uh, downtown into my home and had kind of a dark corner of the basement um, that was awkward, no right angles, <laughs> no level floors, uh, just a, a, an unused space in the house. Okay. Um, but thought if I could, if I could build a, a bar counter there with a kegerator, move my brewing operations there, it could become a really wonderful entertaining space okay. for, uh, for friends and, and family. Um, but needed to do this in my spare time um, um, and wanted to structure the project in such a way that I could get it done, have something usable pretty quickly, um, but then continue to improve and refine the design of the bar okay. uh, based on what I learned from actually using it and, and the feedback I got from friends. So you built like a backlog and everything like that? Uh, so I, I started with a conceptual sketch and a vision and used that to define uh, different modules of this physical product. Okay. Uh, and the modules were important because that's what actually allowed me to, to deploy it as a series of user stories. Okay. So I did. I came up with a backlog. I prioritized the backlog based on what's going to get me the most value uh, from a, a bar uh, to begin with. All right. And then over the course of six months, uh, picked up a user story at a time as I had available free time 
uh, and actually constructed the bar. So you mentioned vision. Did you have like a vision statement for this, or not a vision statement, just okay. a sketch, really, to, okay. to show you know what are the what are the basic components? I wanted right. to have a, a nice a polyurethane uh, walnut countertop that okay. we could put things on. I wanted it to fit a kegerator with a mast set of taps okay. that could fit three taps. Uh, I wanted to put the wine fridge that I already had in there. So basic arrangement of space to make sure that things could fit. And did you have to make adjustments to that along the way? Oh, or was most it? definitely. So okay. the, the uh, disadvantage of living in a 200 plus year old house uh, is nothing. <laughs> One of the disadvantages. Well, there's some wonderful things about living in an old house. Yeah. Um, but any time you need to do home renovation, uh, nothing has right angles or fits uh, as you would expect it to. Okay. So, uh, you know, and, and this is a common problem in construction all, all over the place. You put a shovel in the ground and you're likely to find something that you didn't expect there. Right. So I'm not the only person who, who has to deal with uncertainty. In but it's a great example, like the construction thing is a great example because that's one of the places where it's easy to imagine Agile not being able to work. Uh, and I've actually tried, a topic for another podcast at some point, but my wife is a civil engineer who does oh, wow. uh, okay. construction project management. And we've tried to encourage her teams to adopt uh, agile thinking in their process. And there are a lot of aspects about how they work that would actually lend itself to uh, agile. Cool. Some cultural challenges there. We'll save yeah. that for the next, uh, <laughs> next conversation. Okay. Um, but uh, no, there was no guarantee at all, actually, that this would even fit. Okay. When I started the, the process, because uh, some of the complicating factors are it's in the basement. Yeah. It's right next to our fuse box. Um, and okay. I needed to maintain access to, to the, the door box, of the yeah. fuse box, but I needed it to be tall enough to fit the kegerator underneath. And I really needed to thread the needle between the top of the kegerator and the bottom of the fuse box. Yeah. And because of all the rolling floors and a lack of horizontal and vertical surfaces, uh, there was a decent chance that I was going to try to put things there and it wasn't going to fit. Okay. Now, did your wife help you with this because of her background? Uh, she, she did. So it actually was a, a great uh, a couples project to okay. begin with, I would say. Um, and then I got more and more passionate about it, as always happens uh, with, with uh, things in Scrum. Right. Uh, it started to accelerate over time. Uh, and what started out as a pretty vanilla basic plan. Yeah. Uh, became more elaborate with wood carving and wow. uh, you know cherry uh, surfaces and uh, very ornate shelves. Okay. Uh, there's some photos in the in the presentation that sort of show the oh, cool. evolution Maybe I can of get the, some of those to post with the podcast. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, that show the evolution of the design over time, um, and also what I thought I wanted at the beginning. Uh, ultimately. We Not needed to refine it. Okay. Most of it was, was on, uh, but I discovered, for example, along the way uh, that I needed more shelf space for glasses. Okay. Um, different types of glasses. Uh, and so a large section of the original design that was just a big cubby hole for storing brewing equipment okay. uh, got partitioned up into more shelf space and, and a smaller uh, storage space for, right. for brewing. Um, and, and the fun thing about uh, inspect and adapt when you're talking about a bar is a, a product release means you invite a bunch of friends over for a party. <laughs> that's the sprint um, review. That's, that's, that, that's the sprint <laughs> review. Uh, and then you ask people, well, what do you think? What do you think? Uh, what was useful about it? What is still missing that would enhance your that's enjoyment That's a great drinking the bar? excuse. Um, it makes for some really long, really <laughs> wonderful nights. <laughs> Um, but, but that was basically so the process. So what kind of feedback did they give you? Uh, so, well, so that's actually where the, the needing more shelf space okay. uh, feedback came from. Okay. Um, people said, you know, it's great that you have a, a limited amount of 
uh, space for glasses here. Right. But we we finished those glasses pretty quickly, uh, and we had to then go across the room to where the Sink backup glasses were stored. Oh, okay. So uh, if you could store more of them right at the bar, that would facilitate our drinking. Well, it would Which, increase the velocity of it, the drinking. And it's all about velocity at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> so how long did this take? Uh, so the, the, the total construction, uh, or what I would say the core of the construction, because again, I built You're the backlog. You're still refining it. Uh, prioritize the features. There are some features that haven't been delivered yet. Okay. I may get around to them at some point, but at, at some point I said the incremental effort needed to you know, dovetail a, draw, a pullout draw um, I, is not currently justified by the additional utility so that I think I'm going to get. So not enough value to continue with it. Exactly. Okay. Um, but I haven't given up on that yet. Right. I mean, we may come back and, uh, and, and close out a few more backlog items okay. at some point. <clears throat> but the core of the construction took about six months. Okay. So it started in about uh, June uh, of 2017, and uh, we had our fifth release party just before Christmas. So, <laughs> Now, did you have any way of defining what value actually meant while you were doing this or quantifying it? Um, it so it was not as uh, quantified as I have done in the past for okay. some business-oriented things where you actually estimate the financial impact uh, right. or calculate net present value or, or anything like that. Okay. Um, it, the utility here was more around just having a conversation and being explicit around, you know, we can't do anything until we have a horizontal surface. Right. So the minimum viable product for this was two vertical supports and yeah. a, a horizontal uh, a piece of wood. Okay. Not rounded, not sanded nicely, not polyurethane and protected. But you went back and did that later. I did do okay. that later. So, so one of the key uh, elements of doing this, and I think it, it translates well to Scrum in uh, physical product development environments, um, is I was very deliberate about, I mentioned before, dividing the project up into independent modules. Okay. So that in any one sprint, I could iterate on just one of those modules, take it off, work, uh, do more woodworking on it, and okay. then reattach it. All right. Uh, without needing to disassemble the entire bar. Um, and part of that is having very standardized connections okay. between the modules. So there was one type of screw that was the dominant uh, connection mode. Okay. And because it was a screw, it could be undone and redone multiple times. That facilitated the iterative delivery. Okay. Um, and then uh, just a handful of different standardized connector types. So some dry fit dowels right. where things fit together like puzzle pieces just based just on plug friction. Them in. Uh, most of the bar still is held together just like a puzzle piece. Uh, okay. The whole thing can be disassembled in about an hour. Wow. Um, so it, it makes it so easier to... it's like to, a mobile bar. Uh, well, it, it's, it's uniquely fit for this very odd shaped space. So okay. it, it wouldn't make sense Works to reassemble it someplace right. else. Um, but because it's next to the fuse box, I know if we ever sell the house... Uh, oh, you can it, take it won't it meet code, okay. uh, so I'll need to remove it. And I wanted to do that in a way that minimized the damage Hassle. to the house. Okay. So with the breaking it down into the modular pieces and making decisions about the dowels and the screws and everything, mm -hmm. the project manager part of my brain is thinking, well, that's the big upfront planning. You've got to lock all this stuff down before you can actually do any of this. Yeah. Is that how you went about it, or did you start out and just keep refining as you went? So uh, it, it was less upfront planning than you probably think, okay. uh, but there was, uh, you know, it's kind of like you, if you're doing it in software, you need some basic architecture. Right. It doesn't necessarily need to have all of the functionality that you, you ultimately need, um, but you need to know whether you're building a, a two-story building or a 20-story skyscraper, because right. it's expensive to go back and rebuild the foundation 
after afterwards. you've after you've gotten right. too far into it. But I left the detailed design um, to right before I actually got to that point in the backlog. Okay. And the advantage there is it meant I was doing the design based on what was actually sitting in front of me, as opposed to what I had conceived was going to be there at the beginning. That's a really cool way of explaining so that. So I didn't I didn't waste any time drawing up details that I then needed Threw to come back and okay. and uh, get rid of. Which is not to say I didn't refactor the bar over over time. Okay. There were a couple times uh, where I had built a piece of the frame, uh, the the front uh, fascia piece that that is what the the celebrant sees or the okay. partier sees sure. uh, when they look at the bar. I did it once, uh, and and I had designed hinges to hold the door open. I hadn't made the door yet. Okay. I designed the frame and routed out the space for the hinges. Um, and only when I put it in place did I see that there was a pipe in the basement uh, that was going to prevent me from really opening the door using okay. hinges. So I discarded that frame, designed another one that fit the same envelope, but didn't have the hinge route okay. out of it, and then used magnets to hold the, That's excellent. the shelf in. This is a really good example of how this works. It, uh, it, it ended up being, you know, I, I, I designed it to begin with and took photos as I went with the idea that it would make an interesting presentation, but it ended up being a much more robust case study than yeah. I had even thought it was going to be. So what didn't work? What, what aspects of like Scrum or some other agile practice did you try that you just found this is not applicable in this type of work? Well, actually two different takes on that. Uh, one is something I had decided I wasn't going to do from the beginning, okay. uh, which is I wasn't going to have a fixed sprint length. Okay. Um, because I was doing this in my spare time, I didn't think that I could commit to uh, a, you know, a regular two-week or one, even one-month uh, okay. sprint cadence and consistently deliver a, a shippable increment at the end of that. Um, and midway through the product, I, uh, I, I felt like something was missing. Like it was just nagging at me that I didn't have this, this heartbeat. <laughs> so the Kanban of aspect cadence. of it wasn't working for you? The pure Kanban flow, it was, it was taking longer. It was easier to put off. Um, it, it kind of like okay. uh, Dan Pink's uh, keynote yeah. uh, at, at the beginning of the conference. So you needed here. that deadline to drive behavior. I, I needed that shorter fuse okay. uh, to to motivate and incent me. So about midway through, I actually uh, implemented a two week sprint cadence. Okay. And some of those sprints, I didn't make any progress. If if work was particularly busy, I had a, a zero velocity sprint. Right. Um, but just having that mental discipline of uh, looking the time to make. Box. Uh, a little bit of progress actually accelerated the product, uh, the, the development dramatically. Okay, that. cool. So that's something that I had planned to do, and that ended up not working, and I needed to uh, put to, that back in. Uh, put it back in. Okay. One thing that I found challenging is, particularly when you're working with a natural material like wood, right? Um, it's very difficult to deliver in, in increments and have everything look exactly the same. Okay. So on the tooling, I needed to be pretty anal retentive about the settings on the tools so that I could go back and exactly match it when okay. I came back to do a similar piece on a different part of the barn. And the one that I, I never found a great workaround for is I ordered most of the wood up front. Um, but as I got to the end and I had messed some of it up, well, I hadn't messed so much of it up, uh, but I had elaborated dramatically on what the design of the okay. barn was going to be. So I needed more wood than I. Uh, thought I did. Right. Uh, and I went and got a second uh, uh, installment of wood, and the grains didn't really match. Yeah. Um, and, and you'll see from the photo, uh, probably to the, the casual eye, it's not that big a difference. But I can tell that one of those is lighter than the other. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and so that was sort of an observation that-, that But then again, if, if the people that you're trying to serve as your customers are your friends and whoever comes over, they're probably right. not gonna see that. Uh, no one has ever pointed out to me, you know, gee, that grain structure on that piece of wood is, is different <laughs> than the one the right Thank you for the free beer, but it. I'm uncomfortable with the wood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, how could you make this better? We, we need better consistency and quality control in, in okay. wood grain. Um, but it was just a, an observation that yeah. uh, it's something you need to be, be cautious of, is how do you deliver consistency? So would you uh, then, you if you were doing it again, would you either buy, just buy a lot extra or come up with some plan for how you were gonna deal with that? Um, I think it might have actually affected the order of the backlog. Okay. Uh, then I would have tried to at least do uh, parts of the bar that were adjacent to each other right. out of the same wood stock. Okay. Uh, and if anything, I might have not tried to optimize the original wood that I bought quite as much. Okay. And so I would have... Saved some of it. Well, I, it, it would have gone to waste because right. I wouldn't necessarily have used it for this okay. project. But I would have bought more in the incremental shipment so that the two panels next to each other were made from the same okay. wood. And, and it would have reduced the, the contrast okay. a little bit more. Um, anything that you kind of learned from this that you if you were doing it all over, like I would completely change this about it? That's an interesting question. The, 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 um, the one thing from the design that I have since uh, had cause to rethink more substantially, yeah. um, uh, be between the original design and now, uh, I, I had a daughter. <laughs> uh, and, and I realized so that- So it's the, a bit of an interrupt in the, here. Well, uh, certainly velocity has slowed down on, on the bar construction yeah. quite a bit. Um, but also the idea of having uh, panels attached by magnets, oh, yeah. which seemed like such a cool idea at the time, is really Actually hard to childproof. Small child, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so I, I may uh, that may be a new backlog item that gets added. Is what sort of uh, workaround do yeah. I need to keep uh, her in, safe in order to uh, childproof? Because if she wants to get a beer and she crawls up to the bar she, and she can sit with the magnets, she's already showing a slightly disconcerting interest in uh, in beer. So. <laughs> Uh, that, that may become an issue sooner rather than later. Cool. <laughs> so if people, I mean, this is a great example of how you can use this stuff outside of work. I mean, I'm always telling people in class, like, if, if your work environment's not ready for this, use some of this stuff at home, just try to get your legs with it, see what you learn from it. Mm. Do you have any advice for people that are kind of headed down that path of how to find a project or how to figure out what to put in the backlog or anything like that? Well, so you raise an interesting point, actually, because it's, um, it's a bit of a double-edged sword. Uh, the, the beautiful thing about Scrum is that it is a tidy, consistent, self-reinforcing yeah. um, framework that uh, brings a ton of thinking and principles in and allows them to work together well. Okay. Um, I think too many people apply it in sort of a rote, uh, we do this because the rules of Scrum yeah. say we need to do this. Uh, and I wish, and I think there's a huge opportunity for people to be more thoughtful okay. about how they implement Scrum and to consider the context in which they're implementing it more explicitly. Okay. And so in that sense, this bar construction project is a great example. Right. I, I couldn't use the classic definition of Scrum. I really needed to think pretty carefully about what's going to help me achieve my goal yeah. and be uh, an internally consistent working method. Okay. That said, as soon as you start unbundling Scrum, uh, you run the risk that you're gonna get Scrum but rather yeah. than Scrum and. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it really, if anything, increases the burden on being very thoughtful. And, and disciplined and, about what you're doing. Exactly. Okay. So, so oh, although Scrum can bring a lot of that structure and discipline, right. um, but you need to be, I think, extremely thoughtful about it and okay. deliberate. 
Cool. Um, I have one last question for you. Yeah, sure. In the description for the talk, you talk about personal scrum. Yes. And I'm wondering how you would explain that to somebody, like as a contrast to personal Kanban. Um, is it just about the, the cadence, the time box, or is there more to it that, that you think is Well, important? so in my personal experience, the, the cadence and the time box uh, is, is a big element. Okay. I think actually perhaps a bigger one that, that would distinguish it from Kanban is prioritization. Okay. Uh, you know, my, my personal take on personal scrum or sort of scrum of one is yeah. about rigorously prioritizing what you're going to do when okay. in order to deliver the most happiness, the most satisfaction, the most uh, yield that you're okay. going to get. And you would do that at the beginning of each of your sprints? or uh, At the beginning and throughout. Okay, uh, you know, so just, constantly reprioritize. Ha have a, a, a very clear sense of why you're doing something and okay. what you're hoping to get out of it. Uh, and in my personal life, I've found that that makes me vastly more productive. Okay. So it's not even just a first in, first out yeah. uh, kind of limit work and process, all of which is great. Right. Um, but if you can if you can prioritize consciously, okay. it allows you to get a lot more done with the same amount of time and energy. Cool. Thank you. This was great. If people want to get in touch with you, um, what's the best way for them to reach you? Um, I am usually pretty responsive to email. Okay. Um, and, and I apologize in advance because it's a, <laughs> a bit of a tortured email address, uh, but it's alex at glesselventures.com. That's uh, G-L-A-E-S-S-E-L-V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S. -E 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 and I'll make sure to include a link. Perfect. And so. I'm, I'm always happy to uh, hear what projects people have going on in Scrum and, cool. uh, and chat about it with them. And if they want to take your classes, they can find them on the Scrum Alliance website? Uh, they certainly can. Cool. All right, okay. dude. Thanks a lot. This was great. Hey, pleasure, Dave.